for Penn State football? Come into Lions Pride for all your Penn State football apparel. We're located in downtown State College, directly across from Old Main. We are hiring. Penn State's Campus Dining is looking for passionate and talented students to join their team. They put student employees first with flexible scheduling and no minimum hours per week, so it won't interfere with classes and clubs. Wages start at $9 an hour, and there are regular opportunities for raises and advancements throughout the year. Join Campus Dining, the perfect money move for your semester. Visit their website online at foodservices.psu.edu for more information and to apply today. And Tatis drives one to deep left field. He drives one to the moon. High, deep, and very gone. Fernando Tatis Jr. with a two-run shot has the Padres on the board. Welcome to Ducks in the Pond, live on Com Radio. On 0-2. To right field, Adam Angle is there. A no-hitter. The 19th in White Sox with Logan Barandis, Gabe Angieri, Ben Surface, and Zach Lambert. So sit back, bang some trash cans, and enjoy. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ducks on the Pond here on Com Radio. I'm your host, Gabe Angieri, and today I'm joined by Zach Lambert in the studio right next to me and Logan Brandis and Ben Service over Zoom. Boys, we have a new World Series champion. The Washington Nationals are no longer the reigning World Series champions. The Los Angeles Dodgers captured the World Series title. Corey Seager, World Series MVP. When we were last on the air, Game 3 of the World Series was going on. The Dodgers had a big lead. We were concerned for the Rays. I think most of us were very concerned. Dodgers went on to win Game 3, 6-2. Rays battled back in Game 4. They won 8-7. But the Dodgers won Game 5, backed by a solid performance by Clayton Kershaw. And they won Game 6, thanks to a curious move by Rays manager Kevin Cash. But we'll get there eventually. Boys, how we doing? Doing great. Really excited to be back. And that was a fun World Series to watch. There was, there was so much from the Kevin Cash move to the walk-off to... Uh, eventually how it would culminate with Justin Turner. It was all very, very exciting and sometimes puzzling. Yeah, I'm doing great uh, over here on Zoom. Uh, yeah, this has been a really exciting playoffs to watch this year. We had two Game 7s in the uh, uh, CS round, the championship series rounds. It's just been a really exciting playoffs altogether. We've been talking about the Dodgers and how they were expected to win the World Series for years now. And I'm just glad they finally got it done. But it should be a very fun show tonight. No, yeah, I'm here with, with Logan over Zoom. But, yeah, man, what an exciting postseason for Major League Baseball, you know, and this 60-game shortened season in a crazy 2020 year, you know, it's great to see baseball getting the viewership and the respect the sport deserves. You know, everyone says it's a dying game. I don't think so anymore. Yeah, so um, we have plenty to talk about tonight because it's not just about the Dodgers. We've had some other stuff go on over the past couple of days, some new ma managerial hires, some new ownership in Major League Baseball. Logan, we're, we're happy, but... Let's just start off by going into some of these World Series games. So let's start off with Game 4, because when we went off the air in Game 3, it was pretty clear that the Dodgers were going to win that game. 
Game four, though, the Rays, they won 8-7, to which was a high-scoring game. Corey Seager played well for the Dodgers in that one. He won f- four for five, three runs scored, two RBIs. But the Rays came out on top. A Rosarina struck in the fourth inning with, with a double. I mean, with a home run. It was just a back-and-forth affair. But the Dodgers in game five and six, they came back. But I think one of the main stories here is Clayton Kershaw again. Because I feel like this entire postseason, we've been going back and forth, back and forth. Kershaw, can he get it done in the postseason? He's pitched all right, but he struggled a little bit. In game five, he went five and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He did his job. He didn't get that much length, but he did his job. Helped the Dodgers go three to one. Zach, does this postseason, I don't, I don't want to say save Clayton Kershaw's postseason legacy, but I have to feel like it helps, right? I mean, it certainly helps. It it couldn't have hurt. He pitched extremely well the entire postseason with the exception of, like, one or two slip-ups. And, you know, like you said, game five, he did he did go five and two-thirds and only gave up two runs, struck out six. But he has such a lengthy history of struggling in the postseason. Had he struggled again, I don't know if that's something that he could have uh, – he couldn't have wrote the ship then. So I think now the fact that he does have that good postseason under his belt, it's a step in the right direction. The Dodgers are going to be back and Kershaw is going to be back, and I expect him to still dominate and be near the top of the league as far as superstar pitchers go for another probably two years or so. So he needs to get back next year and the year after that and have a postseason like this. And I think people will kind of forget about the past. But right now, I think a lot of people have forgotten about the past. This is a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league, and lately he pitched very well this postseason and won a World Series ring. So that's a huge monkey off of his back. Yeah, and this is probably the best postseason that Clayton Kershaw's ever had in his career. Uh, he had the most amount of wins in a postseason for his career. Four, he went 4-1 and one this year, and he had the second high, uh, second lowest ERA in, in his postseason career with a 2.93 ERA, only uh, only matched by his 2015 postseason. We're only, only, only had two starts in that postseason. So you could definitely make the argument that this was a great postseason for Kershaw, and this is the first time in this World Series, in this World Series alone, that Clayton Kershaw had a postseason series with multiple wins. He went two and zero in the World Series, had a strong case for World Series MVP, but like Zach, like Zach said, he, uh, Kershaw finally got the monkey off his back. He finally got, he finally got his ring. He's finally a champion. Everyone's been saying for years now that he's been this great all-time regular season pitcher, but never got that. That World Series ring. Now no one can say that he's no, no longer a champion, and this Dodgers team is still well-equipped to uh, come back year after year. I think the monkey's off of his back, and you know I think him proving to himself that he can do it means something, but for all the fans and for the analysts, it's one postseason. It'd be different if he just slipped up once in the postseason. He's slipped up time and time again, and although this is a step in the right direction, like you said, Zach, he's going to be there next year. He's going to be there the year after. He's going to have to keep on doing it if he really wants to cement himself as one of the game's all-time greats. But he does have his ring now, but he's still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, so Kershaw, I, my opinion is I feel like it's definitely a big step in the right direction because, like you guys said, the Dodgers will be here again. This team is not going anywhere. You have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager all locked up for the foreseeable future. I mean... They're not going anywhere. They still have good pitching with Kershaw, Bueller, and others. So Clayton Kershaw will have more opportunities to go in the postseason. But I feel like for now, it kind of just 
quiets down the fans, quiets down all of his critics. He performed well this postseason. We'll see what happens next year. But like Zach said before, if he had another bad postseason, that would have been a disaster for Clayton Kershaw. Because if he had a bad postseason, they probably would not have won this series. Because he started twice in this series. But I want to move on to Game 6. And this game is just... It's unbelievable. Blake Snell started for the Rays. He was cruising. The Rays had the lead, one nothing, cruising. He a five and a third, two hits, nine strikeouts. Did not give up a run to this point. Kevin Cash, Rays manager, comes out of the dugout, pulls his ace pitcher after seventy three pitches. Guys, like, am I lost here? What on earth is Kevin Cash doing? I don't, I don't get it. This is kind of the Rays thing, though. So it's stupid. It, it is in this instance because it came back to bite them. But he was uh, untouchable. I I personally would not have taken him out. Now I know that a lot of people wouldn't have taken him out, and and that's more than just a hindsight is twenty twenty thing. I know we have a, a group chat, and as soon as he was taken out, like the four of us were like, "What what is going on right now?" And we couldn't believe it. And but this is the race thing. They don't let their starters go through the lineup a third time. And credit to Kevin Cash and the Rays, they stuck by they stuck to their guns. No matter win or lose, they stuck to their guns. This is what got them there. That's what they went with. The rest of the world might not agree, but the computers and the numbers said do this, and they did that. Now that's where I think you know baseball. You you gotta you you can't just play with computers. You can't just play on paper. You have to use your brain. You have to use your gut, and you have to use your eyeballs too. And your eyeballs would definitely have told you do not take Snellzilla out of this game, but they did. But that's what got them there. There's a reason they were in the World Series, and it was that method. That is why they were there. And they stuck to that. This time it came back to bite them. Next time, maybe it doesn't. You know, I mean, Nick Anderson came in, and he was terrible. Immediately gave a run, which one of the runs was charged to Snell. But it's just, you, you mentioned the third time through the order. Sometimes you need to use your gut and use the eye test. The top three batters in the Dodgers order was 0 for 6 with six strikeouts against Snell when they pulled him. Are you kidding me? How do you pull your ace pitcher? I'm sorry. Throw out. I don't care what their whole strategy was throughout the season. When you when a pitcher looks that good, you cannot pull a pitcher when he's looking that good. He was dominant. Dominant. I I don't care about their strategy. Give, he that's your ace pitcher, Blake Snell, your ace pitcher, and you pull him after that. Guys on Zoom, what, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, one of the one of the many stats that computers can't really measure um, off of an eye test is confidence. And during that entire game, through the innings he pitched, Blake Snell was on fire. He was complete. He had all the confidence in the world going into that into going to that sixth inning, nine strikeouts, going into five point one innings, and only 73, 73 pitches as well. But I could see what the computers would be thinking there as it's the third time through the order and everyone knows that the batting average for pitchers as it gets to the third time around the order, it gets higher. But the way Snell was pitching against those guys uh, at the top of the order against the Dodgers, against that Dodgers team, Snell was untouchable that night. And you, sh- you should not take him out, especially when your bullpen has been as gassed and overused as it has been the entire postseason. I think we saw that when the Astros kind of made their comeback in the round prior. And if, if worse comes to worse, Snell goes into the seventh inning. That's another inning for you. And let's say the Rays win that game. You have you have your entire bullpen now for a crucial game seven. Because remember, there's still another game to play after this if you win. 
And when you have a bullpen that's as tired as that Rays bullpen was throughout the entire series, that's something to, that's something to keep in mind. Now, analytics is the reason the Rays got there. The Rays were the best team in the American League, arguably the best in baseball during the regular season, and a large part of that was due to analytics. But that being said, I think when you get to the postseason and you're in October baseball, you got to throw that big binder of numbers you got out the window. You know, there are so many different factors. The postseason in Major League Baseball is so much different than the regular season. You can use analytics all you want during the regular season, but not in the postseason. And like Zach said, you got to use your eyeballs. And anyone with two eyes would have told you that Blake Snell was cruising, absolutely cruising. And it would have been a little bit different if the top of the order was seeing Snell well. Maybe you saw that Snell was getting tired or something, or maybe you saw something, but that's not the case. It wasn't like, you know, Cash saw, oh, he's tiring, or he's losing a little bit on his fastball. His breaking ball is not breaking the same way. But it, that's not the case. It was strictly based on numbers. And I think any baseball fan, any fan, you don't even have to be a fan, would have said, you stick to your ace, he's your ace, and that's why he's your ace, to take down big outs like that. And, and you saw Snell's reaction when Cash came out of the dugout. He was he was, he was, pretty mad. I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys saw. He was looked like he said. Players spoke out afterwards, Yeah. I, got I, Kiermaier, Kiermaier, yeah. a relatively soft-spoken guy, saying, that's the best I've ever seen him. He's been his teammate his entire career. Former yeah. Cy Young winner. I think Kiermaier said something along the lines of, you can't, like, that's his game to win or whatever. That's his game. I forgot the exact quote, but there's just no way you can pull a guy in that situation. I don't care what the analytics say. I don't, like, when you, str- considering how good he was against the top of that lineup, and you pull him at 73 pitches. I mean, 73 pitches. He could have got another two, maybe even three innings. It's the postseason. When a guy looks that good and you have the lead, and it just makes – they immediately blew the lead once they took him out. Immediately. They took him out in the, in the bottom of the sixth inning. Dodgers scored two runs. I mean – Well, bringing in probably the Rays' worst bullpen that too. Uh, pitcher this, this, this postseason and Nick Anderson doesn't really help their matter. That too. They kept going to him too, time and time again. They kept going to Nick Anderson for an inning or two. Like, granted, in the regular season, he was the best they had coming out of that pen. But in the postseason, he's tired. You know, he's being overworked. And he cash goes to him time and time again. Any fan could have told you, let alone not just taking Snell out was bad, but going to Anderson, like, what are you doing? Yeah, if you're going to take Snell out, that's one thing. But to go to him, Anderson's post-2020 postseason numbers. He appeared in 10 games, a 5-5-2 ERA, 14 innings, 9 strikeouts, a 1-3-6 whip. That's the guy you pulled Blake Snell for in that situation? That That's, that's criminal. I don't you, – you just can't do that. I mean, you just cannot – imagine what the message I sends to the rest of the team. Like, the, the fielders are just watching their ace pitcher just cruise, and they just pull – they pull him? Why? I, I just don't get it. I mean, I get it. It's the analytics, but that's what the Rays have done all season. But when a I, – I highly doubt that throughout the season the Rays have had a pitcher look that good in one game. I doubt it. Blake Snell was on another level, and you pull him. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. It doesn't. I, I can't. Well, you know, Kevin Cash, is he's getting a lot of crap for this, but I don't know that we can be completely certain that it was his decision. That like, is, that's also true. This could have come from upstairs. They very well could have. They could have said, you know what, he what, third time he gets to the lineup, he's done, no matter what. So, but, and uh, a lot of people on Twitter were also not happy. Noah Syndergaard uh, he said something. He said, when do you get to pull the manager? <laughs> uh, A-Rod said, like, 
the Rays front office and the computers are the World Series MVP for the Dodgers. <laughs> even even Pat Mahomes said something. Like the, the NFL MVP is speaking up and the Rays I I don't agree with it. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If Nick Anderson gets that out and they get out of the inning and they win the game, it could be a different story. But I personally I still wouldn't have wouldn't have agreed agreed with it. I don't. I wouldn't have agreed with it either. But it wouldn't have looked as egregious because sure. this kind of looks like it cost them the World Series. And if you literally went with any other reliever besides Nick Anderson, any other one, that also would have made it maybe a little bit better. Unless spin zone, they knew that uh, Justin Turner had COVID and they were trying to get out of there because they didn't want to get COVID, so they were trying yeah. to lose so that they could leave and get away from the Dodgers as soon as possible. So really, Kevin Cash is saving lives. When you think about it, he's stopping oh. the spread of COVID. Oh, oh yeah. That, that, that was definitely his intention. It's all figured out now. But it's, that was just um, – when you look back at it, that, might, that may very well cost him the World Series because they, if they win that game – they forced a game seven. Snell was cruising. At the, at his his rate, he could have went seven, eight innings. Then you only need one or one or two innings from your bullpen. A bullpen that was, uh, like Logan said before, is was very tired, a tax bullpen. But if you want to fast forward a little bit to the um, later stages of that game, you just mentioned Justin Turner. And this may be, be even more ridiculous, this Justin Turner situation. So Justin Turner, he had a COVID test come back in the middle of the game positive. He was pulled from the game, and I think it was the eighth inning. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was the eighth inning. So he gets pulled from the game. Everyone's obviously confused at first, but whatever. That's fine. After the game, or in the ninth inning, comes out, he tested positive. So the Dodgers win. They're celebrating on the field. So you would think Turner stays in, stays in the clubhouse he's, or isolating somewhere. No, no. Justin Turner comes back out onto the field, knowing he tested positive for the coronavirus, Without getting another test, like a rapid test or whatever. So Justin Turner comes right back out on the field while having the coronavirus, poses for pictures with his teammates, celebrates, hugs. And I think the worst part, he took his mask off while sitting next to his manager, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor. And Justin Turner, who tested positive for the coronavirus, sat next to him in a picture without his mask on. How is this allowed? I mean, apparently the MLB security went up to him, and he just refused to get off the field. I mean, what, you're just going to be like, he just says no, then you walk away? I mean, how is this allowed? MLB did a, de- did a pretty good job to get a season in, and then they end the season like this? I mean, it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It's, um, it's stupidity at its finest, and it's the epitome as to why cases are spiking again. Now, it's not like we're a political podcast. We're not going to get into this political side of it, but it's it, it, it's more of a common decency thing. You have COVID. You are told to isolate. You do not isolate. You come out and are around your team who, yes, I've heard the argument. He was around his team for seven innings before he got pulled. That does doesn't mean they were all infected. I now know. he's going up to them, hugging them all, kn- knowing he has it, unmasked, hugging them all. Not only is he around his teammates now, but he's around their wife, their wives, their kids. He's infecting their family. Those are people are going to go back home. 
See, they're grandparents. You have cameramen, reporters on the field. He is just putting more people at risk, including his teammates, who he didn't necessarily infect the first time, but he's just putting them at risk. And, you know, he even, like, acknowledged it on Twitter. He was like, feeling great, no symptoms. That doesn't mean it's okay to go back out. And... You know, like I said, it just comes down to common decency. It, it, Yes, you just won the World Series, but it's incredibly selfish of you to go out there and put all these people at risk. Like you said, Dave Roberts, cancer survivor. And, you know, it. it's just frustrating to watch. These players, you know, they want to be role models. You see them up at the at, at the front lines of vote and, and uh, social injustice trying to to make a change trying to be role models well it's not both sides of the coin if you want to be role models then you have to be role models in all aspects and you have to show people that when you get infected with a disease that can spread extremely easily you have to isolate you can't show people oh hey i got infected i feel fine let me go let me go be with a bunch of people you can't have it both ways yeah, and there's obviously a lot of questions to what went down that night. We uh, we as fans didn't find out until the game was over, until the Dodgers won the World Series. Obviously, we knew that Justin Turner came out of the game late in that game, but I don't think a lot of people thought it would be anything coronavirus-related, especially since the uh, MLB was playing in a bubble throughout the postseason, and there hadn't really been any, been any cases in that bubble since they stepped in there. So a lot of people didn't think much of it. But once it happened and he went back out onto the field, obviously there's a lot of controversy there. It's uh, Like you guys said, it was a really, really bad way for the MLB to end the season, especially with especially a season where they had all these problems. They worked through it. Rob Manfred even said like he was proud of all his players and how they persevered through the season and through this coronavirus uh, challenge that they were kind of faced with. And you got a player on that team that won the World Series, seemingly representing the base baseball season for 2020 in such a negative way. I just think that I just think that it was a terrible message from Justin Turner. I think it was really bad for him to go out there like that and spread it to not only his teammates, like Zach said, but to their families, to their wives, to, to every one of those guys. Going to be going back home to their families after this. I'm not sure whether or not they got tested. All those players, I'm assuming everyone got tested after that. I believe that we they haven't did. Really heard anything results-wise after that, so hopefully everything went fine there. But just a really bad way to end a, end a season like that. And I'm not sure if we're gonna potentially see some punishment go Justin Turner or the, Justin Turner's or the Dodgers' way. That's still up for debate. Just idiotic. Like you know how dangerous this virus can be and you know maybe you might not die but it certainly can do a lot of harm um it's extremely contagious and it's the reason you're in a bubble now i know when it first happened i at least thought it was a false positive i thought you know it happened randomly during this game he's the only one the team's been together for how long and they're in this bubble so i assume it's a false positive and when i first saw him come back on the field i thought that's what it was but then when you hear more that he did test positive, that it really was a positive test, and he knows it's a positive test, and he goes back onto the field, and it still wouldn't be right even if he was wearing a mask, but then he takes his mask off, and it shows a lack of respect for not only all of his teammates, but all the families there. 
and all the, you know, all the Rays players who have, you know, their families in this bubble, you know, I mean, how many of these players have young children and wives and, you know, families that they got to take care of. And again, you don't know what this virus can do. I mean, there's still a lot of question marks around it. So it's just a lack of respect for his teammates, for the organization, for major league baseball. And on his behalf, he looks like a fool. It's, it's selfish. Just straight up a selfish move. I mean, people. I saw people on Twitter making the argument, oh, you won the World Series, the once-in-a-lifetime thing. Okay, well, people are missing funerals. People are dying. People can't go to funerals. People can't go to graduations. And I get you won the World Series. You want to be out there. But it's just be respectful. Don't be selfish. I mean, you have, you have this disease. And again, like 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 you said, Ben. Not that it would make it right if he just came out with the with a mask on, but he took it off. It just made things ten times worse. It's it's just selfish. It's just a, just a selfish move. And I was I wanted to get into that, Logan. You mentioned it. Potential punishment. Do you think? Do you guys think Turner could get punished for this? I think Turner will get punished. Yeah. And I think Rob Manfred needs to face a ton of backlash for this too. There is no way. Absolutely zero excuse that these guys should be anywhere near the ballpark without receiving all the test results back. For a test result to come back in the middle of a game is laughable. It shows a gross incompetence on the part of Rob Manfred. Like, you look at the way every other league, the NHL and the NBA, did a fantastic job. Fantastic. Now... Here comes the MLB. Looks like they're doing a great job. It makes you wonder how many times were players playing just assuming that they were negative. Because guess what? Here comes a positive. Middle of the game in the World Series, the MLB is so, so, so lucky that the Dodgers won game six. Because we might not be getting game seven for another two weeks. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah, and the MLB announced that they're launching an investigation. I I personally think that Justin Turner should receive like a 30 to 45 game suspension for this. He might. And I I think he he also should deserve a fine. Um because he agreed to the COVID protocols. All the players agreed to these protocols. It's one thing if they didn't agree to the protocols. Because, you know what, then if the other people are okay with it, there's a difference between agreeing to protocols and not agreeing. Because then it's just you're ex- ex- exercising your right to free assembly, in my opinion, if the other people are okay with it. But he agreed to these protocols and then blatantly ignored them. And to me, those are two entirely different things, and he should receive punishment for that. And Rob Manfred, let's not forget about the debacle that was trying to get this season underway. He completely fumbled the bag there and then goes ahead, and we find out that he's probably been fumbling the bag the whole time with the testing and just been getting bailed out because it's been all negative. I mean, and people criticize him for the way he handled the Astros in that situation. So it's just countless. But the guys on Zoom, what – do you guys think a potential punishment is in order? How severe? I don't know if he'll get 30 to 45 games. Maybe. I think there will be some sort of punishment, but what do you guys think? Yeah, kind of like you said, I think there will be some sort of punishment. I think it'll be most likely a fine and not 30 to 40 games. I think it'll be a little less than that. 
But you have to you have to realize here that Justin Turner did break the rules set by the MLB. Everyone knew, every single player knew that there was going to be a bunch of COVID guidelines, and if you don't want to follow these COVID guidelines, you can opt out of the season, which some players chose to opt out for their own safety and their family's safety. And now you have at the end of the season where Justin Turner gets his results back late in the game, which I'm still confused by that. He gets out of the game, get that test comes back positive, and seeing that, he decides that it's a good time to go out and celebrate with your teammates and go out with, and take maskless, maskless photos and hang out with your family. And I get it. It's a big moment. You just won the World Series, your first World Series. But even still, it's it's just inexcusable, especially, like you said, Gabe, when you're taking pictures with a cancer survivor in manager Dave Roberts, who is an older man, uh, probably more at risk to getting this virus. And you sit right next to him in those photos as well. And your mask is off. So th- th- that it can't go. It can't go unpunished here. And this this may hurt Justin Turner's free agency value. Don't forget, he's going to be one of the top free agents in the MLB this year when free agency starts later on this week. So we'll see if that uh, hurts his value to any team that kind of signs him. You don't know how long that suspension might be if he does get suspended or uh, punished for what he did. And you mentioned Rob Manfred. Uh, We spent a majority of our uh, podcasts when we were on Spotify just uh, chilling on uh, back at home. We spent a majority of our podcast kind of uh, roasting Rob Manfred for how he started this MLB season and the way the way the way um, it took so long for that season to start. So Rob Manfred's definitely not off the hook here, just because he was at this game. He gave speeches at this game praising the MLB's handling of this virus, and you have a player tested positive, literally refusing uh, to leave the field uh, with security guards. And it's just a bad example for the MLB, and I hope Justin Turner does get uh, some sort of suspension or fine or something like that, some some kind of punishment. Yeah, bravo, Rob Manfred. Man, that guy is a clown. Like, seriously, you know, he he fumbles, like you said, the beginning of the season, and then he, you know, comes in, and, you know, he's got these speeches, while, you know, you have Justin Turner, a guy who tested positive, out on the field with, you know, all of his teammates. But the thing that I don't get and I don't get, but like I found puzzling was when Turner's on the field and, you know, he's got his mask off, he's celebrating with his team. None of them seem to care. It wasn't like, you know, Hey, Justin, you know, stay away from me, you know, like back up, you know, stay back. They kind of, they didn't treat him any differently than any of the other teammates. I mean, maybe that's just how it is. Maybe they thought they'd already have it. If, you know, Turner had it, I don't know what they were thinking, but it wasn't like they were taking any extra precaution. You know, you, at least that's my reaction. If I knew one of you guys had COVID, I wouldn't be too eager to give you a hug and take a picture with you, no matter what we won. Um, but yeah, that was just something that I took away from it. But here's a question for you guys. It Turner obviously had it. Had he come out on the field to celebrate, if he had his mask on and you may, and you know Major League Baseball security or whatever mandated the rest of the Dodgers wear a mask, is it that big of an issue? Or do you still think... Turner should be in the clubhouse staying away quarantining. I feel like knowing that he has it, he should still probably be in the clubhouse. Obviously, it would have made it better, but, like, knowing that you tested positive, I feel like you should just not even risk that. I I mean, I don't know. I, that's just my opinion. I mean, it would be different if, like, he didn't te- – if there was just, like, maybe some suspicion that he had it. But he tested positive. We know that. So there's really no reason for him to come out on the field, in my opinion. 
So, if you test positive, can you go? Do you go to the store? Do you go? Do you go to the mall wearing a mask even though everybody else is masked? No. If you test positive, you quarantine for two weeks. I mean, I had. I heard of a person on campus, not going to disclose who, received a false positive, was not allowed on campus for two weeks still, and it was a confirmed false positive. School still said you cannot come on campus. It's that kind of precaution that I feel is necessary. Now, you know, it's a, it, without dabbling into to politics with it at all, I just think that if you get it, you need to quarantine because if you haven't already infected them, you're just making it a greater risk that you do infect them. And I get it. You won the World Series. And if they're comfortable with celebrating with you inside, away from cameras, then that's okay. But this is, you know, like I said, they're role models, and I think they need to set an example. Yeah, I mean... I just don't think you can justify him going out on the field, mask, no mask, wh- whatever it may be. I just don't think you can justify that. I mean, knowing you tested positive, it's just it's just irresponsible. It's selfish, and it just shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. But I think we're gonna take a quick break. Quick, quick break. Um, we'll, we'll come back. We'll t- we'll kind of switch gears. Some two teams hired new managers: the White Sox, the Tigers. Then we'll get into. Then we'll close out the show with some uh, New York Mets news. Uh, new owner. I can't help but smile. It's great. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Ducks on the Pond here on Com Radio. Gabe Bangieri, Zach Lambert, Logan Branders, and Ben and Ben Servers. Don't go anywhere. We are stronger. Lions Pride. Stand together. State College needs your help. Keep it local this season and shop for your Nittany Lion apparel and gifts at Lions Pride, where they have everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. We are hiring. Penn State's Campus Dining is looking for passionate and talented students to join their team. They put student employees first with flexible scheduling and no minimum hours per week, so it won't interfere with classes and clubs. Wages start at $9 an hour, and there are regular opportunities for raises and advancements throughout the year. Join Campus Dining, the perfect money move for your semester. Visit their website online at foodservices.psu.edu for more information and to apply today. Coming at you from State College, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Com Radio. Hello and welcome back to Ducks on the Pond here on Com Radio. I'm your host Gabe Angieri, joined by Zach Lambert and with Logan Brandis and Ben Surface joining us over Zoom. So we talked about the World Series a little bit, everything that went on with the Dodgers, the new World Series champs. But let's switch gears now because we are officially in the offseason now. And some two teams have hired new managers. We'll start off with the White Sox because... 
this one was just baffling to me. I mean, they're both a little, little baffling in their own right, but this one was just I've, ridiculous, I feel like. The White Sox, who were coming off a really successful season, very young team, made the playoffs, a lot of success led by Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, like Jose Breu, guys like that, Luis Robert, of course. They go out and they get Tony La Russa. Yes, that Tony La Russa, the 76-year-old Tony La Russa, that one. The one who managed the White Sox back in the 1980s. That Tony La Russa. The guy who hasn't managed in the major league since 2011. That one. It was nine years ago. The White Sox went out and hired Tony La Russa to be their next manager. When, when, I thought this was a joke when it first came out. I, I was very confused. I mean, no offense to Tony La Russa, but the game has changed, guys. What are the White Sox doing? Apparently, this all came from their owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. Apparently he's a big fan of La Russa. And his big and his biggest regret in his career was letting go of Tony La Russa. Apparently that I read it on Twitter somewhere. So now in the year twenty twenty, with a young team, young clubhouse, decides to bring back Tony La Russa. It's it's just confusing to me. When you have a young and up and coming team and you hire a guy who's been who hasn't been a manager in nine years, a guy who retired. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't, I just really don't get the fit here. I I, I really don't. I, I'm a little confused by it. I mean, <clears throat> I actually like it. Really? Yeah, I do. Wow. I think he is quite different from that locker room. They have a lot of young guys. I know uh, Larusa does have a history of, uh, you know, we'll just say a questionable history um, in some aspects. We'll say that. Do your own research to, to dig in to a little bit of what I mean. So exactly, people are saying you know Tim Anderson's a free agent in whatever year. Um, you can connect the dots there, but I I don't know. I I like it. I think you know this is a team that is right there. They are right on the cusp of being great, and we have seen Tony Larusa with some great teams. Two thousand four, he had a hundred and five wins, and and you know let's not forget his last year. 2011, he was a World Series champ. He retired on top, so he could still do it. Back then, why not now? I think he's going to come in, and if these guys don't respect him, he's just going to hold up his hand and say, look what's on my fingers, guys. Three of them. Three rings. How many do you guys have? None. You're going to listen to me. And... As good as that White Sox team is, as good as some of their young guys are, everybody in baseball except for, like, Mike Trout is replaceable. And if Tony La Russa is their guy, I think they're going to ride with him and they're going to get a team around him that's going to be successful. And I could see Tony La Russa really working out for the White Sox. I feel like this is an interesting hire, but I feel like it's a weird team to manager kind of fit. Exactly. Just because Tony LaRusso, he hasn't managed since, since 2011. Even though Zach said in 2011, LaRusso managed one of the greatest playoff runs uh, we've seen in a while when that Cardinals team that no one thought would win the World Series ended up winning the World Series. But this is a young a White Sox team, a lot of young uh Young, young, exciting pieces on that team on both sides of the ball. And 
there's there have been some White Sox officials that have come out and said that Larusa hasn't really gotten along with young younger players really well. So I feel like that's going to be a pretty big concern when most of your team is made up of young guys who just kind of got their first postseason experience during this season when they made the playoffs this year. So it's going to be an interesting fit. I kind of get the reasoning why they did it. Uh, Jerry, it's, it was it was all the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, and his regrets of firing uh, Tony La Russa, or just letting him go uh, back in 1986. But La Russa has managed some great teams. I mentioned the 2011 team. Even that uh, 1989 uh, Oakland A's team when they won the World Series, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, uh, really great offense they had there. So he's definitely got the resume. Already a Hall of Famer, so he knows what he's doing. I just think it's going to be a weird fit. I think the only time LaRusso was ever fired as a manager was during his time in Chicago. Um, you know, obviously he managed in Oakland and then again in, uh, in St. Louis, but I think it's time for baseball's back on the South side guys, you know, for the last five years or so, it's been a Cubs town, Cubs, this Cubs, that, you know, they're the exciting team. Well, now it's the White Sox, the White Sox are the team with, you know, a ton of young talent on both sides of the ball. And there should be a lot of buzz on the South side of Chicago. Now, that being said, I think when you first look at it, it's not he's not your typical manager for this style of team. Granted, he's managed a different era of baseball. You know, now it's all analytical and it's just a different game now. But that doesn't mean he can't still do it. Um, you know, like I said, it's a young team. But one of the problems with a young team is they don't know how to win. Well, what's better than a manager who's won? You know, his last team was in 2011, and he won a World Series. He's a Hall of Fame manager for a reason. I like the hire. I mean, I couldn't disagree with you guys more. I, I just think it's just so not a good move at all. I mean, Jeff Passan, ESPN, uh, tweeted out right after the hire, the hiring of Tony La Russa has ruffled feathers in the White Sox organization. A number of employees have concerned about his ability to connect with younger players and how he will adapt to the field after being away for nine years. This was a Jerry Reinsdorf decision, simple as that. I just, number one, if you're if he's going to come back to baseball, I think the White Sox are just the wrong team. I think that's number one. I mean, I saw a funny tweet somewhere. <laughs> I saw um, someone tweeted out, I wonder what Tony LaRusso's La reaction is going to be when Eloy Jimenez unbuttons his shirt, <laughs> the top two buttons on his shirt when he grounds the bases. I mean, I just think he's very old school, and I just don't think he fits in with this fun and exciting White Sox team. You got guys like Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, just those Luis Robert, those in-your-face type guys who were just, I, I love it. It's a new it's a new era in baseball, and bringing Tony Lusa back, not saying he was a bad manager by any means. He was a very good manager. It's nothing against him, like, what he did in the past. He was a very good manager. I just think it's an odd fit, and I just don't think that the game, the game has changed a lot, and I just don't think bringing him back it really does much. Bring back a 76-year-old manager to replace, just to, to bring him in after being, have he hasn't managed a team in nine years. I just I, I just think it's weird. And the game has changed a lot in these nine years. I think we can all acknowledge that. And in these nine years, the game has changed a lot. So I just think it's an odd decision. I really do. 
Yeah, and I just think overall it's it's just a bad fit. I think if Larusa wanted to get back into the game, I know he managed the White Sox uh, earlier on in his career, which was a while ago. I think there would have been some better teams that could have used him if he decided to get back in the game sooner. Teams like teams, some teams that come to mind were the Chicago Cubs, LA Angels, and the Houston Astros. Teams that all had manage, managerial spots open in the past two years. Teams that have veterans on their team, and teams that have pieces to potentially make a playoff run, or at least two of those three teams have pieces. Gabe believes the Angels have uh, some pieces. For hey, the third team. hey, hey. But they all, they all have veteran pieces, and I think La Russa would work better with those, kind of te- with those kind of teams. But now this is a young team, a, an exciting team on the south side of Chicago. I just think it's a bad fit, but we'll see what happens here. A couple things. You know, it is, it's interesting that he did go there. Uh, but this is very important hire. This is an extremely important hire for the White Sox. They're ready to take that next step, take that jump from being a good team to being a great team, and they can't really screw this up. If they screw this up three years from now, you know, the chemistry's all out of whack. Maybe they, you know, this ruins the locker room. They got to trade some guys. This is a huge hire, and they got to get it right. I think Maybe Tony Larusa wasn't the ideal guy, but personally, I don't think you can ever go wrong with Tony Larusa. He's a proven manager. He's a good manager, and I can see him being successful with them. A thing I found interesting about him though is he has four ties, and he actually had two ties in 1980, which I don't know. I just I never heard of a baseball game ending in a tie. It's pretty interesting. Um, also, I found that. Uh, on managerial baseball references, they have an ejections column, and it, it tells you how many times he was ejected from a game each year. And uh, fun fact: Tony Larusa is tied for fifth all-time in ejections with 88. So one more, and he's uh, alone in fifth. So uh, I think he should be gunning for that record. And he's actually only eight behind fourth place, so he should really, honestly. Honestly, what Tony Larusa should do is come back and just try to get the all-time ejections record. He could. I I, I miss when there was maybe that's the one thing I'll see. I miss when there was more manager ejections in baseball. That was my favorite part of watching uh the Mets and Terry Collins. Terry Collins would let the umpires hear it sometimes. I'll never forget that um. Game I'm mic'd up. Yeah, well, we will not repeat what was said, but just you can just search it on the internet. Terry Collins umpires Dodgers against the Dodgers. It, it, it's a fun time, guys. I'm telling you, it, it was uh, when Noah Syndergaard got ejected. Yep, not suitable for work. <laughs> no, no, it's not. That will none of those words will be will be repeated over the air whatsoever. <laughs> but that's the thing I don't like about replay. Like I replay, you know, it's a part of the game now, and you know. You can make the right call, but I used to love seeing managers get fired up. You know, players getting fired up on on calls and stuff. And regardless if the players were right or wrong or the umpires were right or wrong, you miss the human interaction or aspect of the game. And I, I mean, it's tough for managers to argue at all now because you can go to replay. But you know, I used to love seeing them, like you said, Terry Collins getting up an umpire's face. You know, especially with you know how we can mic guys up now. That'd be awesome. Yeah. The uh, so. A, ma- a manager going up to an umpire and like getting in his face uh the best is when they would get so mad they would get right up into their nose they would have to flip their hat backwards so they could get as close as possible I used to, that was always the the peak anger when they flipped their hat backwards but it's a uh, that was like standing up for your player now standing up for your player is if they claim replay go to the replay it's like all right we got your back we're gonna tell them to to review it and uh 
I do miss that too. I miss seeing managers kick dirt on on umpire shoes, or all the all the little antics that they used to pull. It was it was fun, and maybe Tony Larusa will bring that back with his eighty eight career ejections. Yeah. So that's why. Go, go ahead, Ben. That's why you can't go to the the uh, the computerized strike zone. Like I get them umpires yeah. behind the plate miss calls. This is all we have you- left. Yeah, exactly. There'd be no ejections. Like, there's nothing to argue. It's like, oh, you're right. You know, that was a striker. Like, yeah, that's, you know, you were right. Sorry, Blue. You know, I didn't mean to yell at you there. Like, you were right. You got me. You know, that's that's it. Like, that's one of the few human aspects of the game we have left. Check. People will be, like, flipping out over check swings then. Like, oh, no way he went around there. Like, balls and strikes is all we got. They cannot take that away from us. Yeah, so... so- some of us like the move. I, I I certainly don't. But another team made a managerial hire, and it's the Detroit Tigers. They hired AJ Hinch. If you don't remember, which I'm sure you do, AJ Hinch was suspended for a year as in his for his um participation in the Astros sign stealing uh, scandal. His suspension was just uh just finished up, and the Tigers hired him pretty much right away. Listen, AJ Hinch was proved to be a very good manager. So he was going to get a job eventually. I never felt like he was going to be gone for baseball forever. I felt, and it looks like it could happen. Alex Cora might not, might even get might even go back to the Red Sox. We'll see. We'll manage, we'll monitor that situation over the next couple of weeks. But I don't know. Is it? Do you guys think it's too soon for AJ Hinch to get another managerial job, or do you think it was going to happen eventually? Why not? Why not let it happen now? Uh I mean. I, it's not like the Tigers are gonna do anything. So he's just gonna, <laughs> just gonna be there. Yeah, he's just he's just gonna be there. I mean, nobody's gonna hear about him because, unless the Tigers just all of a sudden be magically become the best hitting team in baseball next year, and the Tigers make it to the World Series for some odd reason, because all of a sudden they start hitting better than any other team, maybe AJ Hinch just has unlocked the secret on how to hit. Um, and we'll take the Tigers all the way. But I, I don't – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers become really good at hitting out of nowhere next year, if you, uh, get, if you uh, get what I mean. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, take those garbage cans out of there. Um. But, yeah, I, I think he's just going to kind of waste away in Detroit. And, you know, maybe they're never good while he's there, and then he gets, like, one more shot at being a manager. But – he he was never going to get hired by a winning team and the tigers they have nothing to lose he's a manager that's won i mean you can say that he did win no matter how he won he won and so now the tigers have a winning manager i'm honestly if i was the white Sox, i would have preferred hench over larusa i'm not going to lie he's proved he can win before but moving on guys on zoom what do you guys think Kick back, bang some trash cans, and enjoy. I still got that. These were the these were the first words that um made our ducks in the pond intro what it was, and this this was this was the big talk when we started uh, up this show. This, this was the big scandal with AJ Hinch and Alex Cora and Houston Astros with the trash can scandal. But um, I, I, I do think that this is more on Cora than it was Hinch. I knew Hinch would uh, get a job eventually. I'm just I'm just a little surprised it happened this soon. I, I, I assumed he would get a job this year, but I read online uh, via CBS Sports that the Tigers called up A.J. Hinch exactly 30 minutes after his suspension ended on Tuesday. 
uh, for an interview. And he obviously uh, had interest in, in uh, going to the Tigers. And I think the Tigers had interest because they saw what A.J. Hinch did in Houston with uh, his, his young talent that he had. He had a, lo- a lot of young, great pieces coming out, out of that Astros team. Uh, more recently, Jordan Alvarez, but all those guys that came up through the Astro system, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, they came up from the minor leagues. They weren't they weren't free agent signings. They were homegrown players from the Astros organization. And the Tigers, they're going to have some of those players of their own in a couple of years. They drafted they drafted Spencer Torkelson uh, with the first overall pick just a year ago, and they will have the number three overall pick. Uh, coming up in this year's draft. So the Tigers will have a couple pieces, maybe in a couple of years, if AJ Hinch is still over there, but the Tigers, they're still in a rebuild mode right now. So possibly we could see AJ Hinch uh, develop some of their um, young offensive talent. And we could see the, uh, we could see the Tigers start to develop more as an offensive unit as those young pieces come in. I like the hiring uh, of AJ Hinch. I think he's a good manager. Uh, like Gabe said, I think the white Sox would have made better sense for Hinch, just because the White Sox have a lot more young young talent, they're ready to like win with Larusa. But I still think the Tigers is not a bad fit. Logan, you can't you can't forget we broke the Alex Cora news on the air. Remember, we I, did. I, I broke it. I think that was our first show. I bro- broke it live on the air, right when we were going off it was the air. First show, last two seconds first on that show. show. You were about to sign off. And I'm like, wait, the Red Sox have fired Alex Cora. It's a legendary moment in the history of our show when we look back one day. But Ben, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't want to speak for Zach because Zach's the A's fan and he's got a more personal relationship with the Astros. But, you know, obviously what they did was wrong. You can't be stealing signs and, you know, get relaying them to the batter the way they were. But I was never that angry at A.J. Hinch. For me, it was Bregman and, and Correa and Altuve. Those were the guys that I really you know, couldn't stand after the whole scandal. And, you know, I felt like Hinch was almost like the scapegoat, you know, right. He, he was the one who got suspended, not any of the players, you know, the players, Oh, well, you know, Hinch could have told us he didn't like it. Well, yeah. Him breaking it with a baseball bat wasn't enough. Like, are you kidding me? Come on. So, you know, yeah, he really should have put a stop to it more so, but destroying the, the cameras that they had set up there and, you know, like, come on. He obviously didn't agree with it. Um, I did. I do think it's a little soon, but as far as in terms of the whole Astro scandal, he's the guy I don't blame all that much. It's the players that I really can't stand that really get under my skin the way, how, you know, they're always so cocky and they have some chip on their shoulder for some unknown reason. Like they didn't steal a world series from the Dodgers. Those are the guys that make me not n- mad, not AJ Hinch. We're talking about the same AJ Hinch that never actually said, stop the like the one that true never said don't do this he could have done more yeah that's true that that's a good point maybe he didn't agree with it but he definitely could have done more i do feel like it was player driven like with beltron i didn't think cora alex cora had a lot to do with it when he was the bench coach but yeah that's a good point zach ben i know you said that cora didn't like it i mean that hinch didn't like it but he could have stopped it he didn't the players say if he would have said stop we would have stopped he's the manager of the team and if they don't, well, st- he destroyed it with a bat. And but like, he didn't say stop. But you made another one. Like if if, okay, yeah, he should have stopped it. And I think if he had to do it over again, he probably would have been like, guys, we can't be doing this. And he should have done that. But I guess what I'm saying is like, you're saying that your team didn't win 97 games two years in a row, and have to play right, well, in I a single like wild card elimination game. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm not speaking for you. I know you got a more personal relationship. With the with the Astros, yeah, and I, I know just, it definitely I, 
I hope that the A's just absolutely rail the Tigers. Because, I mean, they they couldn't really rail the Astros while they were cheating. Um, I mean, maybe it's just because the Astros were better. But uh, they they could beat the living crap out of the Tigers, and I just hope that they just do not stop. Like, if they win every single game 25 to nothing, I still wouldn't be pleased. A.J. Hinge deserves Every bit of criticism that's come his way. Yes, he could have stopped it. If if some players didn't stop it, he has everything. He had all the power to bench them and not play them. He could have done that. He definitely could have. He could have went to management. He could have been like, these players aren't doing this. Blah blah blah. He could he could he could have stopped it. Did he like it? No, but he didn't stop it. So th- therefore, he does deserve some some of the blame. I don't think you're denying that he deserves some of the blame, Ben. But like, I mean, he could have stopped. No, that. He definitely deserves blame. Like, he, he's the guy overseeing them. Yeah. But I thought it was, you know, he was the one who got suspended, not any of the players. You know, he was the one who was vilified by Major League Baseball, not any of the players. So. Yeah, because they didn't want to suspend all their stars, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, which is annoying. But they they were never going to do that. But we only have a few minutes left, guys, and uh, it's time for me and Logan to uh, it's time for me and Logan just to be happy. Steve Cohen, billionaire, is the new owner of the New York Mets. Ah, that's fantastic. Today, it became official. The MLB owners voted on it. Three of them voted against it. It was Jerry Reinsdorf and two others, which I'm, whatever. They couldn't stop it. Mayor Bill de Blasio approved it in New York City. And Steve Cohen is the new owner of the New York Mets. It's amazing to hear, and he's already making an impact. As a part of Cohen's statement, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, all Mets employees, including unionized groundskeepers, security guards, and engineers, will receive their pre-pandemic salaries as of November 1st. That's in a few days. So no more salary cuts. Steve Cohen is just throwing his money already, doing the right thing. And I cannot be more excited. It's not even just about like going out and signing free agents. It's about boosting the analytics, analytics department, building a, a good front office. It's not putting an agent in charge of the team, Brody Van Wagenen, but... It's just so refreshing to see, and Steve Cohen, who grew up a who grew up a Mets fan, Mets fan. He's been a lifelong Mets fan. It's just ah, oh, I'm so when I saw the news today, it was when it became official. It was just amazing. The Wilpons have been the sole who who have been in charge of the team since 2002. They've had a stake in the team since 1980. I think it was 1980 or 1980 something. 1986, but they've had Fred Wilpons been the principal owner of the Mets since 2002. His son, Jeff Wilpon, has completely just done everything he can to ruin this organization ever since. And now Steve Cohen is taking over, and the Mets are uh, Mets are back, guys. Logan, the floor is yours. Yeah, and this is something that Gabe and I have been waiting for a long time since we are obviously Mets fans. But, uh, yeah, when the news came out today that um, the owners accepted Steve Cohen and, more importantly, Mayor Bill de Blasio accepted um, the, higher, the uh, transition from – Will Pond to Cohen. I was just very excited. This is something that we've been looking forward to for so long. It was obvious uh, a while ago that the Will Ponds were not invested in uh, funding a winning baseball team. And they've done everything they can, like you said, Gabe, to run this organization into the ground. And Steve Cohen, he's from Long Island, like you and I. He grew up a Mets fan. His entire family's grown up a Mets fan. And he's got a lot of money. He's the, he's going to be the richest owner in all baseball. By one far, the, by far the one richest. of the richest men in America, and this is this is just going to be a great sign. He's wanted this to happen for so long. Cohen did, and with free agency coming up very soon, 
he has a chance to make a really early impact right away with this team, and I could not be more excited for the future. Yeah, so I, I just want to make one thing clear. As far as the Wilpons go, because I just don't want to trash them on the air, I believe Fred Wilpon loved this team. He wanted to build a winner. It was his son, however, Jeff Wilpon, who, just, who did not know that much about baseball, who just tried to control every little thing within the organization. There's been stories dating back to forever about stories with Jeff Wilpon, about how he made Pedro Martinez play through an injury in 2005. It's just the endless amount of stuff that Wilpon did, that Jeff Wilpon did to this team. Again, I think Fred Wilpon is a good person. I th- I really believe he he wanted to build a winner here, but it was his son who just completely ruined the franchise. I'm not even there's nothing nothing to sugarcoat there. But yeah, Steve Cohen is he mentioned at the end of his statement, which just got me fired up. I mean, the last sentence of his statement was. With free agency starting Sunday night, we'll be working towards a quick close because it still has to become officially official. Like it's official, but they have to like close that in on it. Ah, uh, who's a free agent? Trevor Bauer's a free agent. JT Realmuto is a free agent. George Springer's a free agent. Marcus Stroman, obviously, the Mets might look to retain him, but it's great. Ben and Zach, you guys have any thoughts? I know me and Logan were just uh just enjoying the moment, but you guys have any actual unbiased thoughts? Good for the Mets, you know. Thank you. Um. I wish the A's owners would spend. Uh, you know, I mean, just a typical buying of a franchise. It's a little bit more significant because it's a big market team and it's a very, very, very wealthy individual buying team. So, you know, he wants to spend. He wants to win. Can you buy your way to a World Series? I guess we'll find out. I mean, uh, I mean i got to try and be unbiased here because I'm a Phillies fan, so it's kind of tough. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's good for the Mets. And, you know, I don't like it, and that's how you can tell it's good for the Mets. Um, yeah, I think the Wilpons definitely handcuffed them. I think Van Wagenen might be kind of a handcuff as well. I think he's kind of a question mark in the GM spot. He's gone. Um, but but uh, I think, you know, we just spent a lot of our time today talking about managers, but a good front office and good ownership – can do wonders. And I think it's evidenced by the A's, by, um, by the Tampa Bay Rays. If you can get the management side of baseball, correct. I think you can do a lot of good things. Um, so yeah, hopefully this leads to, well, not hopefully, but for you guys sake, you know, hopefully the Mets can do something now. I know you guys didn't like how they weren't spending the way a New York team should. So yeah, hope maybe that'll change now. It wasn't even just with free agents. It was, um, He's just going to bolster the front office. Now, he's bringing Sandy Alderson with him. Sandy Alderson is going to step into Jeff Wilpon's role as, um, like, the president of baseball ops, I believe. But he's going to look to high. What do you think of Alderson? Do you like him? Yes, I do. Because when you look at all the Mets talent right now, Michael Conforto, Sandy Alderson guy. Pete Alonso, Sandy Alderson guy. Dom Smith, Sandy Alderson guy. Jacob DeGrom. Do I have to continue? All these guys are Sandy Alderson guys. That's Sandy Alderson drafted and that grew up in his organization. The Wilpons has never gave him I, – I saw something on Twitter today. I'm not going to know if it's confirmed or not. But I saw that a few years back in Alderson's last year, I believe, with the Mets, he asked Wilpons to invest more in the analytics department. They said no. So that's all, that's all you need to know. Yeah, and that's something I was just going to add there is that the Mets have been really behind compared to teams like Ben mentioned, like the A's and the Rays, in terms of the analytics. And that's just become a huge part of baseball now. And that Steve Cohen, he is invested in 
bringing in anal- analytics guys, guys who are, who know the numbers of the game, and he's just committed to building a winning baseball team in Queens. And again, I couldn't be more excited uh, that on all aspects of this um, hiring that everything's going to improve here. All right, guys. So that's that's going to do it. We went over a little bit, but just so excited for the future for the Mets to see what they do. Off season starts very soon. Free agency. Sunday night kicks off. All those big guys on the board. I think we should mention, though, that winter meetings or in-person winter meetings have been canceled this year. So the annual event when the GMs and all the front office people meet for winter meetings has been canceled due to the coronavirus. But that's not going to stop people from signing. You got all those big free agents, Trevor Bauer, JT Romuto, George Springer, and all those guys. We'll keep you guys updated throughout the offseason. But for now, we're going to sign off. It's the beginning of the Steve Cohen era, and uh, it, it's great. It's really great. But for Gabe Angieri, Logan Barandis, Zach Lambert, and Ben Surface, we'll see you next week here on Ducks on the Pond, here on Com Radio. for Penn State football? Come into Lions Pride for all your Penn State football apparel. We're located in downtown State College, directly across from Old Main.